looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post, Sunday, April 24. It's officially game on for the Adelaide and Queensland racing carnivals from next Saturday, but I think we got a taste of things in the air yesterday, both at Dooman and also at Morfordville. So there's a lot going to be happening. Uh, we've got the four big days in Adelaide over the next month. And, of course, we kick off here at Eagle Farm next Saturday. Two months of Group 1 racing, Group Enlisted racing. Uh, the man to uh, join me right through uh, May and June, even maybe a little bit of July, is Nathan Exelby. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks, David. It's good to be joining you for the next uh, couple of months, as you outline. And, um, yeah, both Adelaide and Brisbane really getting into it now. Yeah, certainly. As we look out of our windows here at Ann Street, it's uh, an ordinary morning. And that was unfortunate yesterday because I don't think many punters factored in the possibility of a rain-affected track when they were doing their form. I certainly didn't. Mm. Nine mils overnight and then a few scuds yesterday. And it was the nine mils. I think the Brisbane Airport had two mils and the city had none. So they just happened to be in the firing line there at Doom, but unfortunately on Friday night. And then, as you say, those showers kept coming. So... It, it wasn't un- certainly going to bed on Friday night. You weren't thinking of the heavy track form, were you? Well, it was a good day of racing at Doom, and we're going to dissect it very shortly. Then listen to a couple of the, the major races at Morfordville, the Group 3 Irwin at the listed Redelver, and, of course, some big money races at Caulfield yesterday, the Vobus Day. But uh, there was a sensation even before racing started at Doom, and yesterday I had a phone call from the stewards panel to advise me that there were four late scratchings that all came from the Rob Heathcote stable. I think uh, the best way to explain this is to simply read the report that is uh, offered on the Curic website. I'll go through it with you now. Queensland Racing Integrity Commission stewards have commenced an inquiry following a report from the Curic Integrity Investigative Team regarding the alleged possession and administration of Hemoplex containing cobalt salts after a routine race day inspection of the trainer Rob Heathcote stables this morning, which was yesterday. The use of Hemoplex has been banned since the 1st of May 2021. An examination of the stable's treatment book indicated that Mr Heathcote runners that were to race at Dooman, Crimey No Tears, Prince of Boom, Star Todes and Star Virgo had received an injection of a product containing cobalt salts on the 16th of April. After taking initial evidence from the IIT officers and Mr Heathcote, Stewards considered the matter and subsequently scratched all four runners from the meeting. That's acting under Rule AR254A. If the stewards are satisfied that a horse has been or is likely to have been administered a product containing cobalt salts by injection, the stewards may prevent the horse from starting in any race, official trial or jump out. Samples have been taken from the four horses for analysis and the inquiry adjourned for a date to be fixed. So it was sensational news, particularly the gravity with, with, with Prince of Boom and Star Todes being uh, two leading chances of the McDipman and on a path uh, to, to the carnival, this was an important race for them. Yeah, so that treatment you outlined, there's one week before by the centre of April 16. Um, Rob Heathcote was up front. There's, obviously, it's in the treatment book, so there's we have to just see how the, the inquiry plays out and um, when those horses are allowed to start. Obviously, this weekend you've got a horse like Rothfire resuming on a, on a Stradbroke path. So hopefully that comes to light early in the week as yeah, to what the, the play out there. There's a bit to play out on, on, the, on the processes and the technicalities and I think there are some broader issues as well. I was going to be talking about this on Press Room in two weeks' time, just about communication channels between Curic, Vets 
and also trainers. So on, on an unrelated matter to this one, but the, now that this has come up, it, it makes it even more pertinent. But that's the situation. Uh, Rob Heathcote's runners are starting today at the Sunshine Coast. Uh, they, they're not in the scratching list, so they're running today. But uh, this will play out um, over some time. One would like to think that inquiry will be sooner than later, just for everyone's sake. Well, that's right. You can't let something like this linger around. So um, on the on the dawn of another carnival, David, it's, it's not ideal. So hopefully it does get dealt with quickly. Well, jockey Jimmy Orman was to ride Prince of Boom, who was the morning line favourite for the Mick Dippin Plate. So you can imagine his disappointment when this situation developed. He went out a race later, and he was on the favourite here as well in the Tab Tail Stakes from the Chris Wallace Stable, last year's Queensland Derby winner, Cucaracha. Onto the turn, though. Panino led from Derulo. He gets to the outside on Cucaracha. Let's see what he can offer. Sikandra Man running a fair race and Seat of Power, despite a wide run, still coming home strongly. And Hale Manhattan towards the inside. Cucaracha is flat to the boards after Derulo. Hale Manhattan switched to the rail. Then came Sikandra Man and Jukon running on. Cucaracha has taken the lead narrowly. There's no gas in the tank, but he's home. Cucaracha! Cucaracha beat home Derulo and Hale Manhattan. Duke got not far away with Sikandra Bad, then Seat of Power, Smart Meteor, Profit, followed by uh, well back in the field was at the head of the others, Dealmaker. Then came London Banker, Sambro. Quantum Mechanic never got into it, and Panino, after leading, has run a long last in 140 and 38. Cucaracha getting the job done there at listed level. As we said, he won the Queensland Derby at our carnival last year. Jimmy Orman, uh, there's a bit to this story. He's our first guest this morning on Pass the Post. Jim, good morning. Congratulations on that win yesterday. Good morning, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Let's just talk about the, the win or the race in isolation. You gave him a perfect trip. You had the, the right barrier to do it. He had the box seat. Uh, I was probably... I'm, I'm a hard marker. I think everyone knows that. I, I thought he would have accelerated better in the straight. What did you think riding him and, and feeling how he felt? Yeah, look, um, obviously got the perfect run in the race, barrier one. I was able to secure the box seat. Um, yeah, look, you could probably argue that. You'd think he might have accelerated a bit quicker, but um, you could also argue probably that I might have been a pair too close on him as well. So maybe that took away from his finish a little bit, you know. So uh, I'm not sure. I thought it was a game effort considering he's not really, he's more of a, um, you know, gets over a little bit further. So, mm. but yeah. Um, look, I was pretty happy with the run, and I think I read one more pair back. I think you'll see a better centre foot. Well, we've seen that in terms of his his distance capabilities, getting the twenty four hundred metres of the Derby last year. Does he give you the impression already that he's he's wanting that more more ground? Um, yeah, yeah, he does. Um, I thought he I thought he would. Um, I thought he would might didn't I didn't think he'd be that sharp over the um, mile. So yeah, I think he's obviously looking for further and. Um, He's going to step up over for the next start in the Hollandale Cup, which will suit him. But, um, yeah, look, I just, I don't know. I just think he'd, he'll show a, a better acceleration um, with being one more pair, um, one more pair back, you know what I mean? So. The Hollandale Cup's two weeks away. I, um, there's no doubt that the Wallace Stable will have a good representation in that race. Will you keep the ride on Cucaracha? Do you know that or not? Um, no, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure yet. Uh, obviously, hope. I hope to keep the ride, but um, whatever happens, happens. We just have to see what um, have to see what you know what transpires from now until then. But um, yeah, look, I'll definitely be uh, looking to keep the ride. If not, um, hopefully I'm on one of the 
smaller runners because they're all probably going to be hard to beat. Jimmy, you, you've developed a really good association with that satellite stable at the Gold Coast, uh, whether it be midweeks or, or Saturdays. There's been a, a regular flow of winners. They've supported you well, and, and, and you're repaying by riding winners for them. Yeah, look, well, like I said, I, I think um, any a lot of riders in Brisbane, anyone who probably rides, rides for them would ride winners. Um, they're a great team. Their horses are always presented uh, immaculately, and they're um, always in good order and they're always hard to beat. Uh, it makes my job easier. i just got to sort of bounce out and put them in a winning winning position and um, they take care of the rest. But, um, yeah, look, great stable to ride for, no doubt, and um, hopefully you know, we can keep the association going for a long time to come. Jim, you're a champion apprentice here in, in Queensland uh, during your time as an apprentice. Uh, you've obviously ridden lots of winners since then, but I feel that for most observers, they would consider this season a real coming of age for you in terms of your metropolitan success and, and how well you're riding. Is there a, a, a turning point at all or is it just maturity? Um, yeah, look, obviously, yeah, it's been a great season. I had a, had a setback with a broken hand and that, but um, I've come back from that and uh, come back in, in um, you know, come back really going well. So I can't complain with the way the season's gone. Um yeah, look, I'm not sure. I don't know if I've changed anything. I'm just sort of in a good space at the moment, I suppose. I just sort of do my form, go to the races, ride, and um, just try and, you know, put them in all, try to put all the horses in winning positions and um, try to give them their best chance at winning. And uh, it's been paying off. I'm not sure what, you know, I don't know. I'm a little bit older. Maybe, maybe I'm a bit more mature now, but I'm not sure. I feel like... Um, yeah, maybe I've just improved that a little bit more and the trainers have noticed and um, now I'm getting reaping the rewards. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. We, it's good how it's going and, um, yeah, I cannot complain, that's for sure. Well, it is what it is. The, the, the facts and figures are there. You're leading the Metro uh, title, 51 and a half. I think you're one clear of Jim Burton. You've got Ryan Maloney right behind uh, you and Jockey Jim third and then you've got these two apprentices, Lloyd and Wilson <coughs> Taylor. It's... It's a real bunched group up the top there, but you're also, of course, the leading Queensland Queensland rider, I think with something like 94 wins. And you made mention of this before, and I, I think you're underselling yourself a bit. The fact that you're actually leading both titles, how long did you have off over the summer? Um, six weeks, and then it took probably a good three weeks to sort of get really, three or four weeks to get um, really back into my uh, momentum again. So... Probably, yeah, look, six weeks from race to race. So, and I'll probably come back a week or two too early, to be honest. But um, I, I was just eager to get back and get riding, you know. And my hand was right, but it just wasn't fully 100% strengthened. But, um, you know, you live and you learn. I probably rushed that a little bit, but that that's, is what it is. But, um, yeah, probably, yeah, six weeks from race to race. And then, obviously, yeah, just a bit to get, get, get secure the rides back again. You mentioned that you're getting a lot of good support. Now, I, I suppose it's double-edged sword in, in the way that if the trainers are supporting you, it gives you confidence in your own ability to then ride them better as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've always had... I've, always, I've never really been a jockey that lacks um, confidence, meaning... I don't mean I'm not being cocky or anything, but like I've always sort of back, tried to try to go out and do a race and back my own um, decision, you know what I mean, if I think... If I think the tempo's going slow, I'll try and whip around or I'll just try and always back what I'm doing and if it doesn't pay off, it doesn't pay off. So, yeah, I try to... Yeah, I've never really 
got to the stage in my career where I'm starting to doubt myself and that sort of thing in a race, which is, yeah, if you you, you don't want to get to that sort of stage either because you that's when you're going to miss out on opportunities because you're going to be you know trying second guessing yourself in a race. So, but yeah, look, the support's great and um, yeah, it does it does fill you with confidence. That's for sure. Let's talk about Rothfire. Um, you're riding Rothfire in his comeback next Saturday, the Victory Stakes at Eagle Farm. Just give us the background to the listeners about how the riding engagement came about. We, were, were you always certain you were going to get it, or did you hear a whisper here or there? How did it come about? Um, I've had a good association with Adrenaline Thoroughbreds um, with Paul Jenkins on a horse called Renouf, and they um, they actually kicked up for me to ride Prince of Boom. I was always sort of in their ear, can you put me on Prince of Boom? Can you put me on Prince of Boom? Um, this was last preparation, and they never... Um, they sort of never come about and I'm not sure whether they sort of kicked up for me or um, whether Rob um, I don't know I just sort of always asked Rob a little bit too and eventually I secured that ride on Prince of Boom and went on to do great things uh, in the um, Swamba race and in the lead up to the um, Gold Coast um, duel mm. then we won- obviously won the duel as well and um, Rob said if you um come in here and ride work you can you might be able to ride Rothfire and uh, I think he actually tried to get Ryan Maloney on on the horse first but um, I was lucky enough that Ryan had to couldn't commit to the ride because he had to um, he rides another good mare in isotope so they weren't he wasn't sure if they were going to um, clash so I was lucky enough to get the call up and um, yeah I've been booked I've trialed him he trialed enormous and I've been doing a little bit of track work on him and yeah, very excited for, for that because he's just a very, very smart horse. You you know what he can do. And um, if he's back right, he'll probably go on and win the Group 1 this, um, this year. You won the Victory Stakes last year on Nick and Nova. That, to this point, is your biggest success, the Group 2 there. But you've made it clear that you want to get that Group 1 now. And imagine Rothfire is the, the best opportunity you've had. You come close in a Stradbroke, obviously, on Nick and Nova. But um, having this these series of sprints lined up in the next... Um, month and a half must be pretty exciting for him yeah very exciting you know he's an easy horse to ride he rolls forward he puts himself in the in the positions and um hard to beat and he likes eagle farm um i can't see why he isn't going to be you know very hard to beat in those races he's um group one winner before over the 1400 at eagle farm so yeah very exciting times um the horse looks amazing he's been working well uh, just yeah, it's going to be. Um, hopefully, it's going to be a good carnival. We started off well with the listed winning yesterday, so um, we've got Rothfire next week. So yeah, hopefully we keep it rolling week by week. You watched the big dip and played from the jockey's room because you were going to ride the the, the, the favourite, the prepost favourite Prince of Boom. We've discussed that situation. <laughs> you watched the race. Um, did you shake your head and say, "Well, there's an opportunity gone missing," uh, or, or what did you think? <laughs> Ah, yeah, I did, actually, to be honest with you. I thought the same thing. I thought he would have won that race, but uh, it is what it is. What do you do? You can't... There's uh, races next week, so um, can't do much about that. So, um, look, he would have jumped and laid on his on his ear, I reckon, the way the race... Looking at the race in the jockey's room, I think he would have just jumped and led and um, kicked away on the corner. So, anyway, it is what it is. He'll probably race... I'm not sure what Rob's plan is with him now, but... Um, Look, he's a, he's a pretty serious horse, the way he, I think, anyway. And um, his breathing's been sorted out now. So, yeah, 
we'll just have to see what Rob's got in store with him next. I'm not sure whether he might trial and go to the Gold Coast race or the Guineas on uh, Hollandale Stakes Day, or I'd say that's what Rob would probably do, but we'll see what he says. Mate, uh, you're having a wonderful season, and there's still plenty ahead, even though we're coming towards the, the latter part of the season. So we wish you well with Rothfire and, and Prince of Bourbon, and also in your premiership pursuits, because I think it's worth repeating again, the time you missed and the position you're in at the moment, you've done fantastically. Now, there's never a free lunch for all of those listeners and all of your fans out there. What's your best ride at the Sunshine Coast today? Um, <clears throat> my best ride today, probably... I actually just picked up a ride earlier this morning on Real Ride, which um, it hasn't really won a race yet, but um, finds a pretty weak race today in a mile maiden at Sunshine Coast. Probably probably would be my best, um, but I've also got... Um, um, I thought Outback Playboy would be very hard to beat as well, and the other Kendrick runner I've got, I trialed, which trialed well, and I think um, it'll run well hard... Reeve. So I've got three good winning ride chances there. Outback Playboy, Real Aid and Hard Raver. Good on you, mate. You have a good day riding. We'll talk soon. No worries. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Jimmy Orman, who's presently the premiership leading jockey, and he has done a terrific effort when you consider that time he had off. Yeah, and I just I feel there is a vast difference in his, his riding. He's just making the right decisions, as he says. Yeah, maybe in a good place at home, as, as he sort of outlined as well, helps. But I just feel there has been a coming of age this year and he's genuinely it deserves to be where he is on the Premiership ladder and uh, he's proved himself in amongst those top couple here. Was I being too harsh on Cucaracha? I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, he's not... He's a, he's a stayer, so he's 2,000 metres plus, but he doesn't have that turn of foot to be winning a Hollandale. But you wonder where he goes, whether... They, go to Q22 with the big money or do they even stretch him out further to have a crack at a Brisbane Cup over 3,200 metres? Um, yeah, but... I, I get your point. And, and watching the race in replay when it's a far more comfortable watch when you've collected your money, uh, he was probably <laughs> never going to get beaten in the straight and probably his well, his margin was the, the largest when they, when they hit mm. the line. So they, they weren't getting past him but he just didn't yeah, seem to accelerate. Thing, I don't think he's a wet tracker at all. He's, and so that wet track wouldn't have helped him in any way yesterday, I don't believe. Well, as we mentioned, Prince of Boom was the morning line favourite. He came out, Startantes came out, and then Shaquiro came out when the track became heavy. So we were reduced to nine runners. Let's have a listen to the replay. They come to the turn now with 400 left to run and Rubiquitous backed at longer odds leads into the straight. Miss Hipstar trying to close then Joyous Legend glistening just behind them. Alpine Edge being pumped along then Stella Magic. Ingratiate has got about four or five lengths to make up and it's back to the inside. A few with a chance here. Rubiquitous, Miss Hipstar on the outside. Joyous Legend Stella Magic is coming through late. Down by the 100 metres. Rubiquitous still in the lead. Rubiquitous is fighting. He's fighting hard. He's fighting strong and he'll beat Miss Hipstar. Third Joyous Legend Legend, fourth Stella Magic, fifth Glistening, Alpine Edge, no run on, and Ditto, no run on ingratiating. Then came in the blink and put on the red light last time in 1.599. I picked up the Sunday Mail this morning and the headline reads, Rubiquitous defies lack of faith by putters. Don't think so, headline writers, because Rubiquitous was back for a stack from longer odds. In fact, the official fluctuations, 21 down to 9.50. His trainer, Chris Anderson, joins us this morning. Chris, good morning. Good morning, David. And I think you said to your owners that you thought he was the best 50-to-1 chance you were ever going to take to the races. Yeah, and that was when those other horses obviously weren't scratched at that stage. I still think 
we were a terrific chance based on the price. I, I couldn't believe it. The only reason I'm obviously saying that is on the back of his trial, he was ultra impressive. And, you know, he beat Prince of Boom on, on that day. And I know it's only a trial, and trials can be somewhat misleading on occasions, but he had a lot left in hand. And, you know, to the eye, it looked like Prince of Boom was almost at full trouble. So I heard Jimmy Foreman prior to this saying that he just would have won on Prince of Boom, but I don't know. I think our bike certainly improved, and um, he was uh, he was very deserving there of a, of a very good troll there yesterday. And uh, obviously, you know, had to do it at both ends, and um, everything had the entire straight to get to him. And he, he just he's such a tenacious bugger. It's almost like it's a big game for him. He gets in front, and he half waits for them to come, and then they'll come, and then he'll find more. And yeah, he's a he's a horse that can give a trainer some ulcers. I can tell you. <laughs> He's given you some enjoyment yesterday. Um, I tend to agree with what you say about the trial. I, I, I can't see how you could look at the trial and say Prince of Boom went better than Rubiquitous in the trial. But I should have known something was up on Thursday, David. I was there at Eagle Farm early to do some interviews and I was at a loose end, to be honest. I was struggling to find them. And I rung Chris and he said, oh, you don't want to interview me. He said, Profit will probably need the run and the other one's 50 to 1, so we'll give it a miss. So I, I, I missed my trick there, Chris. Yeah, well, sometimes we've just got to keep you blokes a little bit to the side, you know. <laughs> uh, you probably won't do any more with me now. It's a, it's proved a winning formula for you. <laughs> no, not at all. It's just great. Look, obviously, the punters did find him, as, as David mentioned earlier, because he was heavily supported in the 950s. So uh, people did certainly um, find the trial and, and, uh, and backed him accordingly um, because it, I, I guess... Some of my guys, um, I still think yesterday morning got even sort of 35 to 1, and I've got no idea where the Dipman plate is this morning, but I can tell you it'll be in a pub in Brisbane somewhere. <laughs> I, had the, I had the opportunity to, to meet a few of those owners after the races. This is what racing's about. Let's just touch on this. Uh, uh, an interesting collection of people, um, maybe some first-timers. I'm not 100% certain, but... Very happy to win a race. I think Richard Morrison, of course, is the vice chairman of the BRC. was his first listed winner. But uh, this is what racing's all about. You were there, part of it, and uh, they were they were enjoying it, and so they should. Yeah, David, you're, you're 100% right. And, and I can see you as a trainer. I actually stood back yesterday, and I actually watched the owners and the enjoyment and the thrill they, they got out of it. And I can tell you, to me, that gives me as great a thrill as, as winning the race to see how much happiness it does put on people's faces. And, you know, it, racing's an amazing sport. We only paid $35,000 for this bloke. And, you know, there's guys there that, um, you're right, are first-timers, there's seasoned owners. There's just such a wonderful mix of people with such diverse backgrounds. And, you know, racing brings all these people together and, um, you know, lifelong friendships are made from it. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful sport. Quite, quite a testing sport, you know. I, I keep telling people that want to listen, you know, horse trainers have to be so resilient, you know. Most of us are losing 80% of the time, so effectively we're, we're, we're managing people's expectations <laughs> as, as an ongoing basis. It's, it's really hard. You've got to be resilient. And, you know, most, most things don't work out the way you hope. And, you know, you, you've just got to be understanding of that. And, you know, the best bit of advice I got in racing was to just keep looking forward because I tell you what, it'll break you if you don't. Just to expand further on that ownership element, I think where you've been very successful in setting up your racing business is the way you go about attracting owners to your stable and obviously there's existing ones there in this horse yesterday, but 
other new ones, bringing them into the sport as well, and then to see the the enjoyment they get out of it, that has to make some of, like a lot of those early mornings really count for something, Chris. That you're doing it, and to see those results. Oh, absolutely, it's spot on, and um, I guess the communication factor now with you know technology and how much we can bring to owners and. It's 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 quite phenomenal, you know. They can, they can be living on the other side of the planet, and they're getting an update with a jockey, you know, 30 seconds post race. So it's 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 quite phenomenal. But I think I've, I've also with with the success I'm, I'm probably having, and you know, to be honest, with as a stable, we continue to improve. I think you know we're in that top 10 metropolitan bunch now. I think we're seventh or eighth, sixth or something. But you know, for, for me, the, the key I think looking looking back is is the engagement of, you know, Duncan Ramage and Steve Morley, two bloodstock agents. And I, I honestly think, you know, we're, we're really buying the right horses now. And it's so hard to buy horses and compete at the top level because we've got to remember, Magic Millions in January average is 280,000 and the Easter English sale average is 400,000. So, you know, it is tough to compete. And that's why these guys from Sydney and Melbourne come up and dominate our carnival because they're just buying the best bred athletes. And, um, you know, to have Steve and Duncan identifying these horses at such early ages, and they're not just buying them having looked at them at the sales, they're buying them having seen them since they were weanlings and seeing their growth and development. So a couple of that together, I've I, I probably got to put a, 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 lot of, um, a lot of thanks and, um, you know, benefit to, to the stable because of those two guys. Looking forward with Rubiquitous, uh, the Gold Coast Guineas in a fortnight, 1,200 metres, Group 3, Looks a logical target, but I suppose to, to, to again, you know, mark it hard, is twelve hundred a, a bridge too far? Possibly, David. Um, I think it comes back to speed and tempo on the day. I think that will ultimately determine his success if he's allowed to sort of lead, dictate, be left alone. And I, I think he certainly could run um, twelve hundred. But if he's attacked and there's plenty of pressure up front, yeah, he's going to be obviously vulnerable late. But look, we'll know. We'll have a look at the race. Um, it certainly doesn't get any easier as uh, the carnival continues to build, but it's, it's nice to, to win a feature race there yesterday. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, as I said, to, to even just being outside looking in at those owners, uh, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it immensely. Good on you, Chris. Thanks, mate. Good on you, guys. Thanks for having me. Chris Anderson, the trainer of uh, Rubiquitous. Uh, we must mention Brad Stewart as well. You know, no. the, the talent's there. It's always there. He couldn't ride a couple yesterday because he couldn't make the weight, but uh, he's got a suspension looming, which he'll probably... Um, Let's uh, juggle around. Yeah. Um, look, he's his own man, Brad, isn't he? But punters love him because they know that he's out there doing his best for them, and um, uh, often that leads to consequences that sees him spending time on the sidelines. But he's, he's pretty to watch when he's uh, on song. Second, third and fourth were all very creditable. Miss Hipstar, Joyous Legend and Stella Magic. But what do we make of Alpine Edge and ingratiating sixth and seventh back in the pack? Yeah, Alpine Edge was a good while between runs, so he might have been a little ring rusty there yesterday. First time, I think, on, on wet ground. Ingratiating, I don't think he's the same horse that was running great races and golden slippers and winning spectacularly first up in the spring. He just hasn't gone on from, from that. He may not be a wet tracker as well, but... I think he's fallen. He's shown that he's fallen short of the the top level now. Um, so with with that in mind, sort of glistening was a bit soft on speed. I, I thought so. It, it opened the race right up, and as you pointed out, punters were able to zone in on the one that was over the odds. The other point I'll make 
on the race before we leave it and move on, and you, you brought up the point about the, the barrier trial, I think we all fell into the same trap as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We we looked at it and said, I thought Prince of Boom would have trialled a bit better mm. instead of saying, gee, Rubiquitous yeah, trialled really true. well. Yeah. Let's take the 50s Rubiquitous <clears throat> rather yeah. than Pot Prince of Boom. Yeah. So we've ended up idiots again. <laughs> well, that includes can... Michael Maxworthy as well, by the way, if you're listening, because you said the same thing. So... <laughs> We're not, not Nathan and I alone. You're, you're in the... You could be the, the th- third stooge. Very good. The three stooges. OK, Big Dip and played over. Let's go to our other listed feature. And this is traditionally the starting path for, for three-year-old fillies who may end up in the Queensland Oaks. This is the Princess Stakes. Ty's eyes got a handy lead on Stray Digger. You up a sister trying to rally. Canadian Dancer being called upon. Mokalua is following up behind Canadian Dancer. Ty's eye is all out now. Canadian Dancer's just about got it. Mokalua needs to get a move on. Taranga making fair ground. Canadian Dancer reached the lead with 100 to go. Taranga's in hot pursuit then Mokalua, but Canadian Dancer. Canadian Dancer going great guns and beat Taranga. A hoisted O'Day Quinella. Mokalua had its chance in third. From the back, a pleasing run by Sarva Gal. Ty's eye well after doing work, then Shannon Typhoon Tarvey, Ultimate Pride Hour, Belle Fee, and you are persistent. Last in 140 and 53. That's the way you like them to finish from a stable point of view. First and second. Canadian dancer, first home in Taranga, providing the Quinella result. Steve O'Day is one half of the O'Day Hoisted Training Partnership. He's our next guest on Pass the Post. Morning, Steve. Morning, how are you? I'm well. Now, the management have said to me here, they're very generous. They said, we can give you $1,000 if you can tell me the other three winners of this race you've trained. Easy. Candica, Fantisha and uh, Bianca Jewel. You also have to provide the years <laughs> that they won. Oh, geez, that'll test me. Sorry, the 1000 is gone. <laughs> but, but, but your memory's not too bad. Your memory's not no, too bad. No, but, no. but, but I've got to say, like I think I read it in a quote there. You said we, we like to target this race and... So doing that bit of investigation, it's only been run 15 times. It's a relatively new race. I think the first one was in 2007. You've won it four of the 15 times. And uh, it is a good starting point, isn't it, for these these three-year-old fillies if they are headed towards the carnival? Yeah, look, definitely. Look, it's one of those things, as I said yesterday, there's only two opportunities for the three-year-old fillies here in stakes races in Queensland at, at the mile or less, and that's obviously the Princess Stakes yesterday and the Mode Stakes in, uh, in December over 1,200 metres. So... You know, this race uh, is always obviously just starts off early in the carnival and, you know, you probably don't tend to get as many sort of southern horses come up for it. So it's a really good opportunity for these boys to be able to get some back, to- back type and obviously so important to uh, to the owners and, and for those fillies' credentials. Steve, with Canadian Dancer, there's a whole lot of uh, tempting stakes races, black type races in the next couple of months. But <clears throat> you look at her and see that ability, that turn of foot, and you think this is a horse that could be a real uh, flag bearer for the stable for, for a couple of years yet. So how do you sort of balance that temptation with what's right in front of you versus the long-term um, prospects of a filly like this? Yeah, look, she's obviously a filly that we've uh, always had a nice opinion of, but, you know, been nice and patient and given plenty of time to. She's, you know, always showed us that she had a fair bit of ability, but typical sort of leggy, big striding horse. She just took a little bit of time to figure herself out. So... You know, we haven't sort of overtaxed her in terms of how much racing she's had. And, you know, we just gave her the uh, the uh, couple of runs sort of earlier in the year and then just gave her a little fresh up afterwards. So, you know, it was a little fresh and that was only second up uh, yesterday. 
uh, in the Princess. So, you know, no qualms if she does everything right um, over the next week in going to the Princess in two weeks' time. Uh, the uh, bracelet, sorry, in two weeks' time over the 1800. And, um, you know, like with a lot of these fillies, uh, you know, probably once you get out past that 1800, it's, you know, until you have a go over those longer trips, you don't sort of really know, um, you know, to go onto the roses and the oaks. But, look, she's certainly doing everything right at the moment. It's good to see her this time in, probably relaxing a lot better in her races. And, um, yeah, look, she's, uh, as I say, I've got no qualms about going to the 1800 with her. Uh, you would have got hard from the fact that not only your Quinella of the race, it's a great result, but the horse that was well back to win the race, Mokalua, Clary Connors, filly, and she came here with very strong form lines. I, I felt, when I watched the race again, that she moved up behind one of you, behind Canadian Dancer. I thought she had a chance. So the fact that your two fillies, I think, beat her fairly and squarely speaks well for them. Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, both fleas are definitely, uh, you know, on on the way up, that's for sure. Um, you know, I think both of them have continued to improve at, at each time they've stepped out at the races. And, um, look, they definitely haven't uh, hit their ceiling yet. So, um, you know, good to see them uh, both do that yesterday. Obviously, Taranga, um, probably just looking for that little bit further now. She was, you know, only sort of just travelled most of the race, uh, come off the bit a long way out. To see her, you know, keep working the line like she did, um, I thought it was a super effort. Taranga, how far can she keep going into this, this preparation? Because she's got a pedigree that screams um, Oaks, or being out of an Oaks winner. She's doing it all in her first prep, though. Yeah, look, uh, that's obviously the, the query with her. I think I've got no doubt that she'll run a trip. Um, you know, just the way that she travels in her races and that kind of thing, she uh, she definitely is going to appreciate a, a slightly more casual tempo over a longer trip. Um, look, she's a, a funny horse. She's not overly, uh, you know, robust. And she um, she doesn't really do that well sort of when she spells. Um, you know, surprisingly sort of uh, when she's in the stable, she seems to hold her weight nicely. And, you know, it's just probably one of those things we certainly don't want to be going to the well sort of too many times. So... I think we're going to just give her a, a little freshen for a week. She'll go up to Wishbone Farm on uh, on Monday and, and just have a week up there going to the beach and doing some treadmill work and spending some time out in the paddock during the day. So just a nice little break for her from the stable and she won't run again until the, uh, the roses. I think she's not going to naturally get out over a trip anyway. Yep. And um, I think if we sort of race her too much, um, you know, it's probably just going to take any sort of, sort of acceleration out of her. So we'll see her on the 21st of May at Dubin and the Roses and Canadian Dancer in the bracelet in a fortnight's time. And I suppose the other thing to tick off as well, uh, you never know, we might have a wet carnival, we might not, but it's good that they can tick that heavy track uh, box as well. That they, they Certainly Tarangas won it and the Canadian Dancer handled it well yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Look, it's it's definitely something that plays, uh, especially into Taranga's hands. Um, we obviously seen she was beaten uh, her first run back off that little freshen at Eagle Farm and just didn't really let down um, that day at all. So cruised up like she was going to sort of put him away and then sort of wander lay in late and uh, she has been a filly that's always had a bit of a tendency to lay in, and that's why she's been very much a slow slow process to sort of get into the races. But I think that just sort of um, exaggerated the fact that she wasn't letting down that day and she was just sort of struggling a bit under pressure and wanting to get in. So it's definitely a, a plus for Taranga. Um, look, I've got no doubt probably Canadian dancers a little bit better on, on slightly better ground as well. So, um, But, look, as you say, it's definitely good to... Uh, to see that they get through the ground all right. Steve, we keep talking about this the success of the partnership you've, you've got now with Matt Hoisted and this incredible strike rate. We tend to hear more from Matt these days than yourself. I think you're more happy to, to let Matt sort of do the, the media type of things, but I'm interested 
just a comment from you. You know, you've been in Brisbane for, for, for some time now, but is there a fair bit of satisfaction on your own part to see the way this is evolving now? Oh, look, absolutely. Like, uh, like with any business, it's, it's one of those things that, that you just want to continue to build and, and, and improve uh, the job that you're doing. And, uh, look, we're uh, really fortunate that we've got a, a great... Uh, Great bunch of uh, clients there. Obviously, you know, to get the result yesterday for proven thoroughbreds is uh, is hugely satisfying. Jamie obviously buys a lot of horses for us and and syndicates those and and good quality horses. So um, look, it's definitely one of those things that 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 relationships just continued to build over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I first come down to Brisbane, obviously I'd bought um, Go Kart off Jamie as a tried horse and had good success with him. In that first yeah. sort of six months, I was down here. He won three listed races. So. That's how that relationship obviously developed. Uh, Jamie gave me a call one day and, you know, just, uh, you know, about the, the success that I'd been able to have with him. And, you know, he, he came up and met me one afternoon and a couple of days later, Jamie sent up a tried horse and, and the uh, relationships just built from there. What was the good tea when you first started training down here? What was the good tea or the one a race on, on Stradbroke Day, I think, or a Carnival Day? Kiss Me Katie won the Sir Douglas Wadley, yeah. Kiss, and what year was that? Uh, I think it was 2007, maybe. No, Steve must feel like he's playing Trivial Pursuit this morning. Exactly, exactly. 2009. You're good with names, but poor with numbers. (laughs) Oh, I'm bad with numbers. Congratulations to you and Matt. Uh, You're doing really well. Great strike rate. We've spoken about that that before. That strike rate continues. And look forward to more success for you over the carnival. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Steve O'Day joining us. and uh, Yeah, that's something that we should again mention because it has been mentioned several times. Their strike rate is second to none. It's, it's quite phenomenal. You look at that the premiership now. They're running third. Chris Wallace moved into second. But the, the number of runners, they've had, had 148 runners versus the Golden Stable, 425. And it's 46 versus 72. I think it's a terrific story for, for Brisbane Racing, the, the rise of this stable. Um, and... Like a like a quite a number of trainers at Eagle Farm, David, they need to f- sort of keep, want to keep expanding and, and find mm. space there, so, which is a, an issue. But I think it's great for the game here in Brisbane to have another stable here that's really sort of you know, established itself as well as they have. Several years ago, you've got a good memory. Several years ago, I said I'm pressed around the morning. There are two trainers. I remember it. There are two trainers who've got to stand up. I said I'm sick of all this talk about them. They've got to do something. And this is their time, you see. This is their time. Chris Anderson and Steve O'Day. Always ahead of the, head of the game, aren't fulfilled, you, David? They've fulfilled my, <laughs> my, my obligations that I, I put to them. You're hey, a tough just, taskmaster. Just a quick one, uh, and you alluded to this. Uh, with carnival time, uh, obviously with you know, a strong interstate invasion and also from New Zealand, uh, getting boxes is not easy. Oh, it's, it's, it's a real uh, jigsaw. I know that, um, like Steve and Matt, for instance, are able to accommodate you know, a horse last week in Green Belt, but it's a difficult task. But it doesn't seem to be affecting it yet in terms of the representation we've got here, David, but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes where there's just desperate calls being made saying, I need boxes, I need boxes, and mm. the local trainers do their best to accommodate them, but sometimes it means they've got to exit a couple of their own ones to accommodate it. I suppose we could be described as having an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> But it is, it's a longer-term thing that, it, that needs to be looked at. We, we promote the carnival, and we've done a great job promoting this carnival that people do want to come here, but mm. um, maybe we need to make sure that we can accommodate them better than what we are at the moment. Let's turn our attention to the two-year-old front, and Yiska was unbeaten in two runs coming into yesterday's assignment. 
and was sent out a, a well-back favourite at $2. Here's the replay. At the halfway mark, 600 left to run. Bohemian Daisy the inside and Clavier Molly the outer. Yesker in third. Fourth the inside was Asiba. That first 600, nothing flash. 36.62. Then came Bo Winters on the way forward. Johnny Dash is gone. Followed by State of Fact and then came another Dazzler. And last of all was Iron Grace in the home straight though. And Yesker went alongside Clavier Molly in the lead. Bo Winters running on pretty well. Asiba's trying to work into the clear. But Yesker now goes for home. Got the better of Clairview Molly. Asiba runs on gamely, but Yiska's got a break. A good break. A winning break. A winning break for Yiska. Three from three. Asiba up for the Quinella, but uh, Yiska too good. Promising horse. Beat home. Asiba and Iron Grace. A good debut on third. Fourth either Clairview Molly or Bow Witness, and then came Johnny Dash. State of fact, Bohemian Daisy. Uh, Johnny Dash out towards the tail. Another Dazzler beating a few home in one twelve thirty one. So Yiska extends the winning sequence to three. Three from three, a smart missile gelding. And Lee Friedman is joining us now. Lee, good morning. Good morning. They keep saying to me at the racetrack when I'm calling the races, where's Lee, where's Lee, where's Lee? Well, you finally <laughs> turned up yesterday. They had their chance to get their autograph and, and have a photo <laughs> with you. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it, I don't think that was part of the plan. But look... Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I just, uh, I don't go to the races all that often. I go locally here, but um, I haven't had many Brisbane runners, to be honest. Um, uh, I just, oh, I won't take the horses there unless I think they're going to be competitive. And uh, Anthony Gowgate has been a great, uh, great supporter of the stable since I've come back. Uh, had two runners in yesterday, so I promised him I'd go up and watch. And um, no, I was glad I did. He's a, he's a, he's a nice young horse, that. Lee, tell us about Yiska a little bit more. Yesterday, you were, I think you were sort of leaning towards possibly giving him a break and aiming up at the spring as opposed to being tempted by black-type races that are on the doorstep here. Is that still the way you're thinking this morning? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, Nathan, that, uh, you know, young horses like that, you can, you can get carried away with the, the hype. And, uh, you know, he's, he's had three runs his first preparation now. To continue on to those races like the size or the Ken Russell and that, but uh, which stretch the horse a bit, I think. You know, they all they all have their limits, particularly as young horses. And uh, um, he's he's not the easiest horse either. He's he's quite a temperamental horse race day, and and it can be difficult to handle. And um, has has been getting a little progressively a little bit worse each run. So yesterday was probably. <laughs> the worst moods that he was in. He's actually probably more than moody. He's probably just a naughty horse, you know. He just he, he, he likes to misbehave, and um, uh, I just I just think that probably now we'll re- reward him for for his efforts and uh, before uh, before winter really sets in, get him out and get him get some hopefully some autumn sunshine into him. And six weeks out of doing the world of good, and then and, and really if you if you have a good look at the horse, he's not he's not your um, Stereotypical, typical two-year-old. He's uh, he's quite a, a big, gangly sort of plain horse, and uh, I think he's got a fair bit of filling out to do. So, look, we'll give him a chance, and, and yes, he'll go out Tuesday. The good part about his his wins as well, and it's been <clears throat> identical in each win. His best work is late. He looks good as he the last hundred metres. He races away from them. He, he's been impressive. His <clears throat> sexuals are good too. Yes, David. He's. Um, that's the best part of him, and yesterday was even was even more of a revelation. He hasn't been that quick away, and yesterday he was just about the first out. So he is learning stuff as he goes along. Um, you know, people people uh, who just have a, a bet week to week, uh, you know, probably don't know. But these young horses, 
they don't know everything to start with, and and, and it's it's usually a progression of, of of several runs to to get them to understand what actually racing properly is about. But he has got great acceleration. I just hope he's got the same sort of acceleration when we get him on really firm tracks as well. Uh, you made a mention of Tegan Harrison's ride there yesterday, Lee, and also the fact you're having a lot of success with the, the female riders at the moment, with Tegan and Sam Collett riding a number of winners for the stable. Yes, I mean, you know, I'm being perfectly honest. If you'd asked me 25 years ago, uh, would I would, have, would most of my riding been, been done by by uh, female riders, I would have probably laughed. But, uh, but that's a reflection on where I was then. And, and, and now I'm, I'm of the opinion that, Within 10 years, I'd say 90% of our riders yeah. will be female riders. I think they uh, they seem to be able to get the weight situation better. They're not as heavily built as males. They have a great work ethic. Um, I, th- I think I think they're fantastic. And, and I mean, those those two ladies help helped me enormously, both with track work and, and do the majority of our riding. And, and we all get on tremendously. I understand what I want. Um, I listen to them, they listen to me. It's, it's a good working relationship. Lee, your reputation precedes you, and I suppose you can't blame the, the, the punter, the general punter, thinking when Lee Freeman's arrived and set up shop at the Gold Coast, they're thinking, well, we'll see all of these winners. But you know yourself, it was never going to be like that, was it? Just certainly in the early stages. No, well, it's it never is because I came back from Singapore. All I brought back was my gear. I didn't have any horses, and, and a lot of my old owners from the past, you know, we still got horses with my brothers, obviously, but um, it, you have to set the whole business up from start again, and that's, that's not easy. And then it's not like opening the corner store and ordering the stuff from, from you know, the warehouse and selling it. They do, you've, you've got to go out and source horses. You've got to buy young, and mostly, most of my were, were cheap uh, young, young horses, yearlings and that, which, which don't go to the races as soon as the two-year-old racing start. I mean... Uh, if you're lucky, they'll be spread out over the whole season. Some of them don't even race till the, you know, obviously till they're three. I've got one in today that I've been paying up for for the budget for. <laughs> he's finally got to the races today. I'm his majority owner, so yeah. Look, it, just to explain to people, it, it's it's a it's a commitment you've got to make. But if you're going to do it again, you've got to just take the time, set it up, uh, get get your owners back, get new owners in. Uh, educate young horses, and, and that in itself has been actually quite enjoyable. Uh, and and as that's progressed, we've started now to get a lot more uh, owners from down south starting to say, "Oh, well, he's you know he's taking it seriously. The horses are racing well, and we're starting to get really you know some of the good owners down south sending up uh, uh, some tried horses, which you need. You kind of need that balance, and uh, you know uh, to to get a successful stable." Um, but I'm I'm very happy with our strike rate at the moment. Our strike rate's probably one of the best up here, and and I'm, I'm hoping to, to to correct the city one, which was looking a bit glum. But that was probably through very few runners, and pro- probably not horses not good enough. But that that's sort of correcting itself now too. Yeah, and I think you're striking at 28 percent this year. 14 winners from 50 runners in the calendar year. So you've been prepared to to place them where they're going to be effective and go to some of the country tracks around here, but that's an interesting point you make that now that the game is to build the quality of the stable so that we see you more regularly in town on a Saturday. That, that's right, yeah. And I, Look, I think whatever stage of your life you're at with this training business, the basic premise has always got to be take the horse where it can win and try and get the owner a return. That doesn't matter whether you're me or 
Chris Waller or, or a guy with six horses, you know, the, at the back of um, the back end of Queensland. You know, it's the same for everybody. You've got to try and place those horses where they can win, and that's just part of the business. It's it's a it's a business ethic that if you don't practice that, then then um, you're expecting things to happen in five minutes uh, from from a, from a a stop start, then then you're never going to get anywhere because you just don't get those horses straight away. Mm. Just before you go, you've got three to the Sunshine Coast today. Can Sophia win again? I think she's in the right sort of race, David, but <clears throat> I, I, the weather's just, you know, everybody's sick of the weather. and uh, It's very hard at the moment with horses that are sort of borderline soft trackers, uh, strike, you know, stroke good track, soft trackers, but not heavy trackers. And, and then the weather changes during the day and then your situation changes. But that's the same for everybody. And, you know, really I thought long and hard when I ran those horses this morning. But, you know, the Sunshine Coast provides a pretty good surface. That mare won there the other day on a, on a similar setup in slightly lesser grade. So I went with that. The other two, one's the bludger I'm telling you about <laughs> having his first start. He, You know, I've been scratching him and waiting for races and I kind of said to the owners, well, look, we just run today because he's fitting well and uh, I can't find another race for him in two weeks and I can't guarantee what the weather's going to do. You know, we could we could have bog tracks for another month yet. Mm. And are you going or not? <laughs> No, that's a bit far from me. Yeah. <laughs> the dollar ten chances <laughs> got up again, you beauty. Oh, <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, no, I was forewarned about the the expedition, and I think uh, the expedition up to the Sunshine Coast with the, with the traffic coming home, and I think over a, over a holiday weekend, I could <laughs> oh, be oh. putting putting myself in great danger. That's gruesome. Yeah, don't even, don't yeah. even think about it. Well, I have got great staff who are very happy to go. So. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this morning. No problem. See you, boys. There is Lee Freeman joining, speaking a lot of sense and a difficult situation when you've got a horse that's in form at this mm. time of year, and but you've got to make the decision, the horse first. And um, I was, I, I thought it might could end up in the wrong spot. Yes, I think I said in the morning I preferred when the field was bigger, but I think uh, it would have won anyway. It was and she rode it well. She she did enough to put one of those, the I think the, the Golden Runner out three deep for the trip, and she she said I wasn't going to let him in, and she she did it really well. And in the end, the horse was a. A class above them anyway. Let's go to the last race on the card. Open betting race, but Roman Orius, I'd suggest, was the best back runner, but it missed the start. In the straight, you make me smile. Tackled and headed by Big Boy Roy. Last chance outside the pair. Run for glory to the rail. Roman Orius still putting in a never no more. Right down the outside. Last chance of the 120. Reached a clear lead. Trying out Roman Orius. Running on never no more. Last chance in front. Finding something. Never no more. Coming late. I'd say on the line that last chance just beat never no more. Roman Orius. Fourth photo. Either Ulysses or Big Boy Roy. Then came Montenegro Man. Run for glory. Dr. Whitehart couldn't come on with required, then Bold Warrior Bardum and you make me smile, didn't see it out and finished at the tail end of the field in 121 and 35. He was totally disrespected on the market, a last start track and trip winner, I know he went up 7 kilos I get that, but $21 was I didn't back him, but $21 was still a good price uh, Yes good oh, You're dirty because you're oh, on the second one Very, very dirty on this race, yes um, It was a carbon copy of last time for Never No More He'll get there eventually, but no as you say, full credit to the winner. He carries the 59 and a half and um, the market overlooked him there as it did last time, but he's having a terrific campaign and great to see Sean Dwyer back winning races in town. Tab Queensland Racing Carnival begins officially next Saturday with the Group 2 victory, the Group 2 Queensland Guineas and the listed Dalrello. We'll take a break on Past the Post and come back and have a look at Morfordville yesterday.
Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. That website, archerparkracing.com.au, fields all of the yearlings that are available for sale and also some two-year-olds as well. Have a look at it. It's very straightforward, very simple to understand, archerparkracing.com.au. And you can have plenty of fun off the track as well. Well, Morfordville yesterday hosted the Group 3 Robert Irwin Stakes. Trekking was the favourite. As they spin the bend, and it's Bella Villa turning in front. A length now on Dexalation, who's hard at work. Instant celebrity, Outlaws Revenge. Shimino and Trekking's got a heap to do. Bella Villa kept going at the furlong. Instant celebrity powering through. Bella Villa still, though, from Instant Celebrity, then Dexalation. Bella Villa, Instant Celebrity's digging deep, driving at Bella Villa, who held on to win. Bella Villa, narrowly from Instant Celebrity. The mares have fought it out. Dexalation. Shimino trekking and Outlaw's Revenge. I think they've tried to get her in fold twice <laughs> and both times missed out, but she's back at the racetrack. She's rising eight, but uh, she couldn't. they couldn't run her down and she'll go to the Sangster in two weeks' time. Will Clark in training. He's got a lot of time for this horse, naturally, and Kayla Crowther had the ride. What a great story. 1.9 million she made it to the Magic Millions National Sale last year, as you said didn't uh, go in foal, so here she is 12 months on, and she's now trying to win the race she won two years ago, the Group 1. Exactly. Instant Celebrity, of course, was, was resuming after surgery and, and race well as well, and she'll head to that uh, Sangster in two weeks' time. Those noms will close on Tuesday. Let's go to the other feature yesterday. This is the Redelva at uh, Group at Delissa level for the three-year-olds. Champagne Dreams makes the running only by a neck as Direct creeps closer. Two to Bacchanalia. Magic Max, Serides, Manhattan Times is hunting through on the rail. He's taking the shortcuts home. Magic Max gets to the outside. They spread up. Champagne Dreams are half in front from Direct. It's Champagne Dreams clear from Direct. Bacchanalia's one pace. Manhattan Times the rail. Then Serides. Champagne Dreams kept going here. Serides running on with Manhattan Times. Champagne Dreams trying to find the line and gets there. Champagne Dreams from Manhattan Times and Serides. Then Heresy, Bacchanalia, Libiamo, Magic Max, Direct Weekend, Knightstown. Yes, the Godolphin pair never really got into it, Bacchanalia and Heresy, but Champagne Dreams, she's now a four-timers winner for Wayne Francis and Glenn Kent. Speedy filly by reward for effort, and uh, she may well go to the Sangster as well. Uh, winning the race there, beating Manhattan Times. Well, she'd paid a penny. She was third in the listed race, two starts back... Narrowly beaten in Group 3 last time. She's got the uh, the stakes win yesterday. They were the two features. And an honourable mention for another award who was very impressive in winning yesterday. Good group of owners, isn't that horse, is it? Yeah, very impressive. And I am a hard marker. <laughs> Have a look at the win, uh, Pallas, and uh, see what you think. But if her rating is up high enough, she'll go to the Sangster as well in two weeks' time. I might go with her. <laughs> let's have a look at Let's go to Caulfield now. And uh, this was the Vobus Day. Some big races, uh, big, big prize money races, of course. The Million Dollar Showdown run by King's Concert for the uh, Freeman Stable. But we'll have a listen to the last race because uh, uh, from a Queensland point of view, Extreme Warrior is the favourite. Sword of Mercy led the favourite coming up towards the turn at the 400. Extreme Warrior three quarters of a length away second from innkeeper General Bowen. Bless her. Behind those current, it's our time wider and then Pandemic Romance are not an option and Lamexicana. Sword of Mercy at the 200 metres. Extreme Warrior giving strong chase though. Extreme Warrior moves up and takes Sword of Mercy from Bless her. General Bow, it's our time. Extreme Warrior under the whip is going to dart away. Final favourite one. Extreme Warrior scored by about three quarters to 
two a photo. It's our time, Curran, and then General Bow all in photos, and then bless her, not an option, an innkeeper, William Thomas, pandemic sort of mercy romancer, and at the tail of the field was La Mexicana. The Brisbane races were well over, so I was having the chance to watch the parade and uh, seeing this horse, the, this colt, he's an impressive-looking type by extreme mm. choice, and he got the job done. Um, what, what are the plans? Well, he's favourite for the Goodwood now. He's equal favourite at $6 with in the boat for the Goodwood. The, the plan is they want to get a Group 1. They've advertised him to be standing at stud this year, and the fee at the moment is TBA. So, obviously, a Group 1 would, will uh, obviously elevate that to a, to a higher plane. But this is a horse that started favourite in the Coolmore Stud Stakes last year versus Home Affairs and, and whatnot, David. So he's clearly a, a great talent. Um, well, for, for, from what we've seen so far, is he equal to the hype, in your opinion? Wouldn't say on that off that yesterday. No, you possibly would have liked to see him a bit more spect spectacular. It was more I describe it tradesman like yesterday, but he may well uh, improve off it. That that Caulfield win before the Coolmore was spectacular, um, and that came a little way in his prep, so he might, may improve some more. But sets up for a, a good race in the Goodwood. The Tab Queensland Racing Carnival in Stradbroke season. The launch happens on Tuesday. Yeah, we launched that on Tuesday. Uh, at Eagle Farm, Stradbroke season officially begins with the running of the Guineas and Victory Stakes next Saturday. Um, before we head to the Gold Coast, um, where everyone's now excited, we get to see Zaki again in in, uh, in Queensland for the Carnival, which was great news filtered through last week, David. So very much looking forward to the next uh, seven or eight weeks. Yes, and uh, with Zaki in the Hollandale Cup and the Durban Cup, you'll read more about that more than likely tomorrow morning. But this is past the post for today. Thanks for your company. Look forward to your company right through both of our carnivals. Nathan, thanks for your time. Thanks, David. Nathan X will be with us. And of course, don't forget, no press room tomorrow being Anzac Day. We've got a select racing coverage. I'll join you with Andrew Brown tomorrow. Have a good day. Bye-bye.